Would you please stand this morning as I read our scripture? It is from the book of Matthew, chapter 2, verses 1 to 12. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard that he was di- when King Herod heard this, he was disturbed, and all Jerusalem with him. When he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Messiah was to be born. In Bethlehem, in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me, so that I too may go and worship him. After they had heard the king, they went on their way, and the star they had seen when it rose went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down, and they worshipped him. They opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. You may be seated. Thank you, Wendy. Good morning. morning. I do apologize, by the way. The uh, benediction thing had nothing to do with um, the people that, the Happy New Year, had nothing to do with the people that print the bulletins. It was all your associate pastor's brain not working right um, the week between Christmas and New Year. So hopefully most of you guys can uh, understand that. Um, if we have not met, I am Dave Scott. It is my privilege to be the associate pastor here. Um, today is the week after Christmas, as most of you know, and therefore it is National Head Pastor Takes the Week Off Day. Um, so if you are new here, this is the B team. I invite you to come back next week uh, to see the real pastor um, and what I'm sure will be an awesome sermon next week. I read a story a couple weeks ago about a man driving in West Virginia. Not to disparage West Virginia, um, but he was driving in West Virginia. And it was Christmas time, so he saw a nativity. And he noticed in the nativity, there were three men dressed in full firefighter garb. The whole nine yards. He was like, well, that's really strange. And he drove, kept driving around the town, and sure enough, there was another nativity scene 
again with three men dressed in full firefighter garb. Every nativity scene he saw in that town had three firefighters dressed up in the full garb. So finally he stopped and he asked a local. He said, what is the deal with your nativity scene with the firefighters in there? And the local told him, haven't you heard the story? It says three men came from afar. (laughs) We have a lot of misconceptions about the wise men. Um, Hopefully that was a made-up story strictly to make fun of people in West Virginia, who are fine people, by the way. Um, Anytime you drive down 81 into West Virginia, it says wild and wonderful or beautiful or something, and it is a beautiful, beautiful space. Um, The people there are awesome people. Um, Also, I'm from the South, so sometimes um, those verbiages also come from my mouth. You probably have heard them as well. Um, I will also say, uh, again, a lot of misconceptions about the wise men one of which may be found in the Hallmark Christmas movie classic. Brand new this year. Um, They really went the whole nine yards. They had like multiple leading men in this one. It it really, they spent a ton of money on this. Three wise men and a baby. Um, It was actually a good Hallmark movie, which I don't say that about any Hallmark movies, but this one actually was a good one. I'm sure you can see it about 15 more times this season and then again They'll probably open a season next year with it. Um, but they had no idea about the story of the wise men. They really were, were clueless. Um, we've read it. But if we're honest, I think most of us are kind of clueless about the story of the wise men. When I was young, I remember driving in the car with my mom, and she listened to talk radio. Some of you guys are like, why would you listen to talk radio? She listened to talk radio. She was driving. I had no control of the radio dial. Um, but I remember every so often you'd hear this really distinctive voice. And he'd come on and he'd tell a story. And uh, he wouldn't give you all the details about who the individual was. But at the end of it, you'd find out uh, he was talking about Albert Einstein, who the math teacher said, you're an idiot, or something like that. Or Abraham Lincoln and something in his background that led to him. And when you get the details, you're like, man, that's a really remarkable story. And at the end of it, he'd always say, and now you know the rest of the story. That's Paul Harvey. For you young folks, you can actually Google that. That's on YouTube, and they really are um, pretty fascinating, fascinating things. I hope at the end of this, you guys will be like, man, now that we know the rest of the story, Christmas really is a remarkable story. The journey the wise men took really was remarkable. The whole details around Herod, And all the other people there, that's remarkable. When the four Gospels were written, they were written by, obviously, four different people with different original intended audiences. Our story today comes from Matthew, and Matthew's intended audience was a Jewish one. And basically what he wanted to do was introduce his people, the Jewish people, to their king, to their Messiah. He starts with Jesus' genealogy, which is where many of us check out, and why would that be in there at all. Um, But his part in showing that genealogy is to show that Jesus came from the royal line of David. He really is the promised king, the promised Messiah. We also see at the end of the story, 
It's not unique to his gospel, but at the end, at the cross, what's the sign that they hang on the cross? They hang, this is Jesus, king of the Jews. So you have the two bookends there. His kingly line, and then his death. This is the king of the Jews. We also see that a lot in our story today. We also see in our story a lot of people with incomplete information, especially at the beginning. Right? So wise men who are very wise um, see the star and they're like, man, that's a really remarkable thing. We've got to go figure out about that. We have no idea where we're going. Right? They just show up to Jerusalem. Jesus, by the way, was not born in Jerusalem. But they see the star. They know it means that the king of the Jews has been born. So they decide we're going to go to Jerusalem, which was the city for the Jews. That was their like big deal thing. So they decide, hey, we'll just go to Jerusalem. I'm sure the king of the Jews had to be born in Jerusalem. And even if not, Jerusalem is the city of the Jews. They've got to know where their king is born, right? The newborn king, it's amazing, a remarkable thing. So we've got to go see, and they had no idea, right? They go and they talk to all the people in Jerusalem. People in Jerusalem had no idea. What are you even talking about? The king of the Jews? We don't know. So they go talk to Herod. And Herod's like, I have no idea. But I have some really, they're not maybe wise men, I wouldn't call them, but chief priests and teachers of the law, right? They've studied this, so they know. And they are the first people that we see that actually have the information, the chief priests and teachers of the law. They knew the promises in the scriptures, they knew exactly where the promises were located. This, I believe, was in Micah 5.2. And when Herod called them in to ask where the Messiah was to be born, they were able to answer without hesitation. They had all of the information, but they had no motivation. In John 5.39-40, Jesus says, You study the scriptures diligently because you think that in them... You have eternal life. These are the scriptures that testify about me, yet you refuse to come to me to have life. These people were the insiders. Jesus was born the king of the Jews. These were the chief priests and teachers of the law. They were Jewish. This was their newborn king. Knew where he was born. Didn't go. Magi, outsiders, came all the way from the east. We don't know exactly where they came from. Even talked to these guys, like, hey, the star, like, amazing stuff going on. I can tell you exactly where he's at, but I'm not going. Herod was an outsider. Rome had made him king of the Jews, but even he, he had evil motives, but he was still more motivated to find Jesus than the chief priests and teachers of the law. They'd seen scriptures passed down over hundreds and hundreds of years about this promised Messiah and still no motivation to actually leave and go check it out. Bethlehem was only five miles away, but they didn't go see their newborn king. Now, I have no idea why they didn't care at all that the long-awaited Messiah had been born. I don't know if they were just way too comfortable in their old life. The chief priest position especially was um, really just a political position that King Herod put in place. But you would think that even just for the novelty of it, right? Like this has been promised for hundreds and hundreds of years. Allegedly it's here. I'm just going to go check it out, right? 
But no, they were like, no, I'm, I'm, I'm fine. Me and Herod are probably going to have a really nice dinner here later on. Their role in this story was no more than being the Google of their day. Right? Like if they had smartphones, the wise men could have just looked up the scripture, map-quested, all right, that's okay, we'll just bypass Jerusalem and just go there. I'm giving them a hard time. But for so many of us, that's where we're at. Right? We talk to people outside the church, and we know all the answers, right? We can give you a chapter and verse in the Bible. Sometimes we quote it to them maybe too much. But do we really, like, love Jesus? Do we really want to be with Jesus? Do we really pursue Jesus? Or does knowing this stuff just make us feel better? Or is this just something that's been passed down to us for generations? All right, now we get to the madman, Herod. Now, I'm calling Herod a madman, but really, politically, he was uh, pretty much a genius. He was not Jewish, but he was named the king of the Jews by Rome. The Jews, by the way, were not big fans of his. But at the same time, he was able to keep them happy enough and keep multiple Roman leaders happy, so he stayed in power. He did a great job with building projects. He uh, also made additions to the temple, where it was one of the building projects he did. He also did a great job of providing relief for the people um, when there was a famine or when money was tight. Sometimes he would even give back some of the taxes to the people just to keep them happy enough that he could stand power. But he really was a madman. It was said of him that it was better to be Herod's pig than his son. Now, why would that be? He was so power hungry that he would kill anyone that he deemed a threat to his political position, including three of his sons. He also killed his wife and his mother-in-law just because he was so paranoid that they were after his throne. He also murdered 300 core officers of the Sanhedrin. He was not, not, a, good, not a good guy. At the time of Jesus' birth, there was also a power vacuum going on there at the higher levels. Rome didn't really have a great leader at the time. The Persians were without a powerful leader as well. And there was a prophecy that at that time, a great world leader was going to emerge from Judea. Herod had positioned himself and surely thought he might just be the leader that was promised. But this, then some men from the east come and start asking about a king of the Jews who had just been born. Herod, obviously much older than a newborn baby, was like, well, that's not me. And so when he heard this, he was greatly disturbed. That word is also translated terrified, startled, and troubled in different places throughout the scriptures. You remember when Jesus walked on the water in the middle of the night? You remember he sent the disciples out on the lake, and he was like, i got to go pray, but I'll meet you on the other side. And I don't know how they thought he was going to meet them. Um, but they were in the middle of the lake, and it was a big storm and stuff, and they were really scared. They were struggling all night just to get to about the middle part of the lake. And out comes Jesus walking on the water. And they thought, like most of us would have thought, holy cow, that's a ghost, because nobody walks on water, right? You're not thinking, oh, that's just the Messiah coming to it. Yeah, that, no. And they were freaked out, like they should have been. That's the word 
that's used for errand. It wasn't just, oh, shucks, that, that really stinks. I was hoping for pizza tonight, and instead we get Brussels sprouts. It wasn't that, right? It was, he was deeply, deeply disturbed. He is desperate to hang on to every ounce of power that he has accumulated. He's trying as hard as he can to acquire more, and just hearing news that everything he's worked for is about to be undone. And it's going to be undone by a baby? He's not. He's not happy. He saw baby Jesus as a threat. So he started a plan to figure out how can he take care of this threat the same way that he has taken care of all the other threats that have ever happened to his power. So he asked the Magi to bring back a report of where this baby was when they found him so that he could also go worship this baby Jesus. Obviously, he had something else in mind. As you know, after he realized the Magi had gone home a different route, he ordered to have all the babies in Bethlehem who were under two years old killed. This is in stark contrast, by the way, to the religious leaders who had talked um, to him when he was trying to figure out exactly where Jesus was born. Remember, they had no interest in seeing it. Herod saw the baby as a threat. The religious leaders saw him as irrelevant. But one thing that stood out to me over the past few weeks as I looked at this passage is how Herod influenced all of Jerusalem. All of Jerusalem with Herod was greatly disturbed. Now again, Jesus was born king of the Jews. He had been promised long ago. Over hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years, there had been specific prophecies about this new leader, this new Messiah, this new king of the Jews that would come. And it was for them. And yet all of Jerusalem was greatly disturbed. Now, they may have been greatly disturbed because they knew what a madman Herod was. And they were like, we have no idea what Herod is going to do in response to this baby that has been born our king. But it's just striking to me. All of Israel, or all of Jerusalem, was greatly disturbed that their king had finally been born. You'd think there would have been a mixture in there. Even when we read in the Gospels about Jesus having been resurrected, there was some fear there, but it was mixed with great joy, right? It was over and, no, it just says, all of Jerusalem, greatly disturbed. We'll get to another reason later on in the story that, that they may have been disturbed as well. It's something I've always missed when I read this story. So here's the story of the Magi, the gist of it, as I remembered it. Approximately three wise men. I had gone to a religious college, so I knew, you know, specifically it doesn't actually say three. But they brought three gifts, so people assume maybe three wise men. Three wise men see a star somewhere in the east, so they come. They go straight to Herod, and they say, hey, Herod, this, uh, you're, you're called the king of the Jews, but this new king of the Jews has been born. We'd like to go worship him. Can you tell us where he is? So Herod gives them directions. They walk out, and they follow the star to the house where Jesus is. They give them the gifts, going about their day. I don't know how accurate you guys think. You guys are, many of you, been in church all your life. So you're probably like, Dave, that's way off. That's not what happened. Some of you would be like, yeah, that's a pretty accurate description of. It's not what happened, though. And now you're going to know the rest of the story. Um, so the wise men, or the magi, historically, the Magi make their first appearance in the 7th century B.C. 
This is not the first time we hear about them in scriptures. By the way, this is just um, extra credit for you guys. Um, according to my, um, he was my Greek professor. He's now a pastor at a church in Richmond. It's actually pronounced Magi or Magoi in the original. Um, I don't know why, but he's much more of a language expert than I am. So um, I've been saying Magi just because that's what we do. But if you want extra credit for you, it's actually Magi. has no spiritual value at all. That's just extra. But they were among the most prominent and powerful groups of advisors in the Medo-Persian and Babylonian Empire. The passage in Matthew is not the first time again that we, we hear about them. We'll get there again in a minute. Um, but they're also referred to as magicians, enchanters, sorcerers, and astrologers. No, not all of them were necessary, necessarily all of those things, but it was a general term for the group of people that included some of each. We also hear about them, by the way, in Acts. Um, Simon the sorcerer was a magi. These astrologers see a magnificent star that makes them say, we have got to go see this baby. Now, there's a lot of debate over what the specific star they saw was. Some think it actually wasn't a star, but it was the planet Jupiter, like combining somehow or looking to combine with um, Saturn. And it like did all kinds of crazy things in the sky that obviously they study that all the time and like, well, holy cow. Others think it actually wasn't anything um, celestial at all. It wasn't actually... A star wasn't actually, it was just God's glory shining, and who knows, maybe that's it. Um, Whatever it was, though, they saw it, and the sight of it made them decide to pack up their bags for the journey and see that baby that the star pointed to. Now, remember, they said this is his star. He didn't just say we saw a star that referred to a baby being born. No, we saw his star which is more accurate than I'm sure they realized because Jesus was over creation. Jesus was the one that called the stars out as a name for each of them. But these wise men traveled from afar to worship the newborn king of the Jews. This baby was the king of the Jews. Again, the Magi were not Jewish. This was not their king. It also wasn't a close trip. We don't actually know exactly where they came from. Somewhere in Persia, possibly Babylon? But scripture is unclear. But it was much farther than the five miles that were between the teachers of the law and Bethlehem. If they were coming from Babylon, that was approximately 900 miles. Earlier in in scripture, we see it had taken Ezra and his entourage four months to make the journey. Yet they were more eager to see the Messiah than the people he had been promised to. Historically, they traveled in groups of 12 along with an entourage. So the picture I had of three kings going straight to King Herod and asking him about the baby, way off. Might as well have a nativity with firemen dressed up in it. We don't know for sure how many there were. The only thing the Bible says specifically is that there was more than one and that there were three gifts. But historically, again, the Magi traveled in groups of 12 And they were important people, so they had their own entourage. They had personal protectors. They had security with them. This wasn't just three random people showing up in a city. This was a group. Think Prince Ali and Aladdin, that whole him coming into the city. 
is a lot more accurate depiction. And some of you guys are like, what in the world? Disney, yeah, it's a Disney movie. It was really good. Um, the whole scene is a lot closer than what I had in my mind of these guys walking in. And they didn't go straight to Herod. They figured this guy's been born king of the Jews. Let's talk to the people in Jerusalem and figure out what's going on. And so they asked everybody, because everybody should know about their king just being born. And nobody knew. And if they didn't know, they were too scared to say anything because of what Herod might do to them for knowing what was going on. And so Herod gets wind of it. And so they go to Herod and say, Herod, what's going on? There was this newborn king. Where is he? What made it even more disturbing, by the way, was that these men were Persian kingmakers. They were not kings. Now we see in history that no one in Persia was ever able to become king without the approval of the Magi. They would have to master the scientific and religious disciplines of the Magi before being approved and crowned by them. So these men were not kings, but they, were, they determined who would be king. So men who wanted to be king would have to jump through all the hoops to gain the Magi's approval. But then they see the star announcing the birth of Jesus, and they make their way to see him. Again, these are professional kingmakers. This is what they do for a living. And yet, they don't come to Bethlehem to make Jesus king, but to worship him as king. Babies are not born kings. I know we, we have the royal family as a big um, hoopla right now. Um, they've had a bunch of babies. None of them were born king. They are born princes and princesses. None of them have been born king. Jesus was born king. So after leaving Herod, only being given the direction to look for the baby in Bethlehem, they leave Herod's palace, they look up, and just happen to see the star that has reappeared over Bethlehem. And when they see it, they are overwhelmed with joy. Overwhelmed with joy. Again, the religious leaders in this story were underwhelmed. King Herod was deeply troubled, but these foreigners, the Magi, were overwhelmed with joy. Matthew literally says that they rejoiced with exceeding great joy. These guys weren't the type to let their emotions get out of control. And they were kingmakers, right? They're like, I'm sure, in there dressed in all their royal garb, you know, like they have to look important. They aren't the kind of people to see the star and like chest bump and high five and rejoice. But that is what they did because this news is great news. We come to church. How often are we overwhelmed with joy? That the king of the universe created everything, calls the stars by name, put the star in the sky to lead the magi from wherever in the world they were to Bethlehem to worship baby Jesus. How often do we just come in and we're thinking, we're done yet? Can't wait to get home and eat a really good lunch. What game is on today? Do you know, do you know what game is? This is the best news that there could be. And it's for all of us, right? It doesn't matter what baggage you brought in. It doesn't matter what junk you're carrying with you. Jesus came for you. Jesus was born for you, and Jesus died for you. We should be overwhelmed with stinking joy. 
I should do like a curtsy. Um, I'm not going to do that. You guys might leave. I might tear my pants out. I don't know what that would look like. <laughs> they let their emotion get out of control when they saw that star. And I don't know if they hadn't seen the star. I'm guessing Bethlehem wasn't super big, and they had seen the star and followed it all the way from, just say, Babylon. I'm sure they'd have knocked on all the doors and said, do you have a newborn baby that was born king of the Jews? I think they probably would have done that after making that big a trip. But they were overwhelmed with joy that now we don't have to knock on all the doors, and now we know for sure that this is the baby that was born king of Jews. And when they finally saw Jesus, they worshipped him, and they gave him gifts. They didn't just go for the novelty. They worshipped Jesus. But this brings up some questions. How did these outsiders, even though the star appearing meant not just the baby had been born king, but it had been born king of the Jews? How did they know that? And why were they motivated not just to check it out, but to actually go worship? They were influenced by Daniel over 500 years earlier. Daniel records the story of Daniel and his three friends being exiled from Jerusalem to Babylon. In Daniel 2, King Nebuchadnezzar had a dream that upset him. You guys probably remember this story. He had this really scary dream. So he called his wise men. It actually says he called his magicians, enchanters, sorcerers, and astrologers to come interpret the dream for him. But again, he knew that if he told them what the dream was, then it didn't matter what the interpretation was. These wise men were wise enough to make up the interpretation and make the king happy, right? So he was so troubled by this dream, he said, no, I'm not going to tell you the dream. You're going to tell me the dream and the interpretation of it. The wise men obviously, we don't know how to do that. There's nobody on earth that can do that. Only the gods can do that, and the gods don't dwell among men, which is a really awesome foreshadowing in Daniel 2, because one god eventually does dwell among men. Again, that's extra credit. Daniel, by the way, was one of the wise men that he decides, Nebuchadnezzar decides, if you guys aren't going to tell me the dream, I'm going to kill all of you. So he orders all of the wise men killed. And Daniel gets a knock on the door that he and his buddies, along with all the wise men, are about to be killed. He says, why would the king make such a decree? Finds out what the issue is. Goes to the king, buys another day, tells his friends pray. He prays. And God tells him the, not only in the, the interpretation, but the dream itself. Daniel goes, tells King Nebuchadnezzar the dream, the interpretation, all that stuff. Really interesting stuff. And at the end, we see that King Nebuchadnezzar put Daniel in charge of the whole province of Babylon and puts him in charge of all the wise men. That is the second to last verse in Daniel 2. I think it's like 46 or 47, if you want to look there later on. Daniel was in charge of all the wise men in Babylon. These men had heard from Daniel that there was going to be a king born king of the Jews. They'd also heard that it wasn't just king of the Jews, but he was a king for everybody. Jesus came to preach peace to those who were near and to those who were far. And the seeds that Daniel planted among them while he was in Babylon is what brought those wise men to praise this king. 
You can see the wise men in the story believed in Jesus. They didn't come just to observe out of obligation. They came to worship. Which brings up some questions for us. Who is influencing you and who are you influencing? We saw the influence King Herod had on all of Jerusalem. And we see the influence that Daniel had on the Magi, even 500 years after his death. We are all being influenced on a daily basis by the shows we watch, the radio podcasts that we listen to, the friends we spend time with. But I want to challenge you to be intentional about what you allow to influence you. I want to challenge you to be intentional about what you give space to. What do you give time to? But I also want to encourage you, all of us are not just people that are influenced. All of us also influence those around us. The news of Jesus, of salvation from our sins, of a hope that defeats death and hell, are too good to keep to ourselves. So who are you making an intentional effort to share Jesus with? Who can you point to and say, these are the lives I'm investing in? Let's pray. God, I I thank you for giving us more clarity to the story. God, I thank you um, for just seeing the power. Jesus, you you weren't just a humble baby born in a stable, although you were. You, You came to the shepherds, but you also came to those that were far away, God. And when you came, you announced yourself as a king for all people. God, I pray as we go throughout this new year with this fresh start, God, I pray that we would be intentional, that we would be influenced by things that draw us nearer to you, that we would be closer to you. And God, I pray that we would make an impact in our community, in our families, in our workplaces, at the gas station, God, that we would influence those around us. In Jesus' name, amen.